This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 7.05 a.m. on Thursday, the 16th of February. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen San. Now, in half an hour, we're going to moot the proposal for Petronas to be publicly listed in order to pare down national debt. But we are going to kickstart the morning as we always do. And it looks like it's going to be a glorious morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. So all key U.S. markets ended in the green. The Dow was up 0.1%, S&P 500 up 0.3%, Nasdaq up 0.9%. In Asian markets, they were all in the red except for our very own FBM KLCI. The Nikkei was down 0.4%, Hang Seng down 1.4%, Shanghai Composite down 0.4%, the Straits Times Index down 1.1%. But the FBM KLCI, it was up by 0.3%. So for some thoughts on what's moving markets, we have on the line with us Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Good morning, Tony. Now, U.S. retail sales in January jumped the most in two years and home builder sentiment rose in February by the most since 2020, while U.S. inflation rose by 0.5% in January. What do all these indicators tell us about the state of the U.S. economy? Uh, It says that there's still demand. It says that consumers are still willing to spend and that uh, people really aren't slowing down. Um, You know, we're seeing things like uh, price over volume, meaning as we see more companies report their earnings reports, they're able to raise price pretty dramatically, say 8 to say 12 percent generally with a volume decline of, say, 1% to 3%, meaning the number of sales. Okay, so these companies are choosing to raise their prices and uh, have fewer sales, but it's uh, it results in more revenue uh, and uh, faster growth. So consumers are willing to pay more. Uh, they're just buying slightly less of things. And Tony, taking all this into account, what do you think the Federal Reserve will likely do next? Yeah, they're going to continue to raise. I, I, I do think that um, that Powell missed a trick in hiking 50 uh, in the last meeting. Um, I do think they probably should have kept the foot on the brake a little bit more as a transition from 75 to 25. Um, but I, I think for 25s, it's kind of as far as the I can see right now, at least while the current... Um, pace of the economy holds up. So, you know, we'll we'll certainly see 25 for the next three meetings. Uh, the question is, how much beyond that will we see it? And Tony, are you in the camp where I have seen on Bloomberg more economists raising their forecast for, for US GDP growth? Uh, I see numbers jumping from 1% to 2% for the first quarter. Are you in that camp? You know, our view has been one4 uh, this year. So, um, you know, it's it really hasn't changed. Okay, and then what we do at- reforecast each month. All right. And then looking at some results, right? Uh, old tech Cisco delivered really good numbers, beating street expectations with strong spending on tech infrastructure, suggesting that companies still have money for capex. Uh, is this indicative that actually companies are doing better than we expect expected? Well, I'm not sure it means companies are doing better because earnings generally are on a a slowing trend. Um, But I think what it means is that companies are having to build up more robust technology infrastructure 
for their existing operations. And that's good for, you know, for the tech infrastructure companies like Cisco. So, um, you know, we are, uh, you know, at the emergence of a new tech cycle with generative AI, there's a chat GPT and so on. So uh, companies are going to need more robust infrastructure to deal with that. But then we also notice there's a divergence, right, when it comes to results. So old tech like HP Enterprise and Cisco doing better versus new tech like you see results being soft from the likes of Apple, Amazon. Uh, will this divergence continue? Um, well, I think when you look at things like Apple, Amazon, Meta, these sorts of guys, mm. um, part of their revenues are ad revenues. And what's happening on the ad side is we have a growing um, uh, say supply of ad space uh, as um, you know with with different uh, uh, companies coming on like Netflix offering ad models. So there's more ad supply. There are not as many ad dollars out there or even if you assume the same ad dollars uh, with inflation, people are having to make trade-offs. Companies are having to make trade-offs. So they have they have generally less to allocate to marketing on a proportional basis. But there's more ad supply out there. So many of those tech companies where ads are a part of their revenue mix, they're suffering on the ad side. Tony, turning our attention to supply chains. During the pandemic, the world Mm -hmm. faced a series of supply chain stresses made worse by the Ukraine conflict and China's sporadic lockdowns. Do you think that global supply chains are um, have recovered? You know, are they functioning better now? And or do you still see some kind of rocky road ahead? You know, I'd say generally uh, supply chains have recovered. Um, you know, part of that is uh, is demand falling. So we had in the port of Long Beach, we had the volume decline by about 28% in January. So the volume of imports have, have actually gone down year on year uh, on the West Coast of the U.S. Uh, so the demand there is, um, is slowing. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, one of the indicators is, is uh, headcount cuts. So so guys like Federal Express or FedEx and UPS are cutting headcount. FedEx has announced about a 10% uh, workforce cut, which tells me, you know, those are usually the guys who see the supply chain issues first and the guys who see the slowdowns first as well. So if they're cutting staff, it tells me that, you know, some of these things are really um, are really slowing down. When we look at delays at Chinese port, for example, they're about half the time of what they were about a year and a half ago. So, you know, it's they're not really bad at all. And then when we look at, say, freight that's waiting on ships, that's down dramatically to, say, Q1 of 2020 levels before all of the COVID stuff set in. There's a great, just for your listeners, Kiel, the Kiel, K-I-E-L, I think, in Germany, has a great indicators on supply chain delays. So I would recommend you guys to, to check that out. And Tony, ASEAN is a key player in this global supply chain. Which countries in this region are likely to be major outperformers in that regard? Well, you guys know Malaysia is seeing more inward investment, especially around electronics. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some upside in Malaysia. I know the the expectations for Malaysia aren't as aggressive as, say, Indonesia or Vietnam, but it's possible that Malaysia overperforms those expectations. Um, Indonesia, uh, I think there, there are a lot of expectations on Indonesia's outperformance, uh, partly on ag prices, but also partly on um, 
on movement of, say, some manufacturing to Indonesia, which has a, a pretty low base. Um, and then Vietnam, of course, you know, we've seen blistering growth in Vietnam. We expect that to continue as people look for a substitute for uh, Chinese uh, supply chains. Antonio, are you still a bull on energy stocks? Because if you look at the sector, it's the worst performing in the S&P 500 today and also for the month so far. We see energy stocks all coming under pressure, I think in part due to all prices stagnating and weak earnings from some of these companies. Uh, sure. Is it time to buy or is it time to just step back and say, hey, maybe I should you know, uh, cash in my chips? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, look at the different segments of energy. So, for example, oil field service providers, we're starting to see upstream, meaning people who take oil and gas out of the ground, uh, starting to spend uh, on development uh, outside of the U.S. So some of these oil and gas services providers, uh, it's a very interesting space to look at right now because we haven't had capex in so long in oil and gas and as we get that we could see some of these service providers do really well in terms of oil price yeah i I do think that you know we do see upward pressure uh i don't think anybody really expected that to hit in q1 uh but as we end q1 and go into q2 we do start to see that um and i think we do see i don't think we see two or three hundred dollar crew this year but i think Low 100s, 100, 110, high 90s. I think those are definitely within um, possibility and likelihood. Tony, thanks very much for speaking with us today. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Ending the conversation there with just a projection on how oil prices could be trending uh, later on this year. Uh, yeah, so I think we'll have to watch this space. But I, w- I want to focus on some one of the names that I mentioned earlier on, which is Cisco, right? So their results came out. Uh, in fact, it went up 8% after market hours trading because the street was really impressed with the numbers. Apparently, the earnings, the last time we saw this kind of level of earnings was in 2013. And that's like a long time ago. So a lot of attention on Wall Street has been on what I call the new tech. So Amazon, Meta, uh, Apple, Microsoft, even on some level. But there's a little bit of a shift, and I think what these names are showing is that, hey, there is still spending out there. Yeah, I think that the CEO actually said that the public sector business performed stronger than expected and it's as compared to historically. While in the service provider category, some customers are adjusting to better delivery of the com- company's products into the environment. Um, in terms of the guidance for the next quarter, Cisco is guiding adjusted earnings of 96 to 98 cents a share and revenue of roughly about 14.25 to $14.5 billion. So currently the street doesn't really like this name that much because there's only 14 buys, 15 holes and one sell. Consensus target price for this stock is 53 US dollars and 83 cents. Like we say, it was already up 8% after market hours, right? I won't be surprised after these set of numbers, we will see um, quite a number of upgrades on this name because the company is already suggesting and giving guidance a more positive one. That's right. Their guidance is more positive for the next quarter. Uh, but turning our attention to other earnings report, we have the Canadian e-commerce platform Shopify. Shopify, in contrast to Cisco, didn't uh, have such a great uh, report. They 
reported a loss of $623.7 million in the fourth quarter after adjusting for stock-based compensation, gains on investments, and other costs. Uh, The company reported earnings of $0.07 a share, down from adjusted earnings of $0.14 per share in the holiday quarter. And revenue came in at about $1.73 billion, up from $1.38 billion. And the analysts on average expected an adjusted loss of a penny a share on sales of about $1.65 billion. The company said Black Friday sales rose close to 20% last year from 2021, and the CEO is working to recover from a misplaced bet that the pandemic fueled surge in online shopping would become more permanent, although he's cut jobs, raised prices and expanded offerings to merchants. 19 buys, 25 holes, 5 sells. Consensus target price for the stock, 46 US dollars and 48 cents. Uh, actually, it's already the, the current share price is already above that to 53 US dollars and 39 cents. Year to date, actually, the stock is up 53%, but I think it came from a very low base because 2022 was very painful for them. All right, 7.17 a.m. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back and cover more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.